The Marine and the Hippie is a weekly conversation about current events aimed at presenting alternative viewpoints while looking for common ground. We are the Marine and the Hippie. Welcome to the Marine and the Hippie. This is the Hippie coming to you from Vavi France. Bonjour. Today, you'll be listening to Season 2, Dialogue 13, Missing Standards. I was a sixth grade middle school teacher for 10 years. And one of the standards that comes up in science, in math, in social studies, and in English multiple times is the ability to predict. And the ability to predict is really the ability to read between the lines. And today we'll be calling out, in some ways, other people for not having this ability. Number one, which I will introduce and then throw it over to, to, to Doc, is the idea that, you know, planet Earth needs saving. Planet Earth doesn't need, need savings. Throw the environment out. The environment will come back and regenerate in a New York minute in a millisecond compared to time, what needs savings is one species, and that is us, because we are killing ourselves very slowly by not taking care of our homes. You know, we don't burn down our homes, but we burn down the area around our homes instead. We, we flood our homes, we destroy everything. So maybe we should start thinking about changing the slogan instead of from save the planet to save the humans and teach them how to do so. On this question of saving the planet um uh, you know i'm not i don't i would never call myself an environmentalist because i'm not you know necessarily pro-environment anti-human uh i am more of a conservationist i'm a person that believes that we have natural resources in this world that we can use and we should use them for our benefit because we know how to use them for our benefit and our lives are measurably improved by the uses of natural natural resources we have that ability we can do it and we can do it in an intelligent sustainable way and we should do it in an intelligent sustainable way and so whenever i get into an argument with an anti-environmental person a person that doesn't really care about the environment or whatever the case may be i would say look you know I'm not saying that we need to sacrifice, we need to completely sacrifice, you know, our way of life, you know, save the planet or to save the polar bears or the penguins or whoever. I'm saying what we need to do is we need to look uh, into ways to have cleaner air and cleaner water and cleaner. I mean, we all like cleaner air. We all like clean water. You know, we all like to be able to go through a natural area and not see trash all over the place. It's a reasonable thing to say. Why can't, you know, we don't have to, you know, save every single tree from the the ash borer we could you know have selective burning in forests to allow the the forest to grow back healthily and sustainably we can not clear cut whole mountainsides we can take selective trees down in order to continue to fund our 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 uh our paper needs and 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 whatever we use trees for uh what is it you know why is it that we don't do that now we don't do that because some company is interested in profit and so essentially when you say we don't care about the environment what you're saying is i care more about the profit of some company destroying all of our environment and polluting our water polluting our air destroying our forests you know clear cutting whole mountains uh you know deep cutting into mountains to to get coal and stuff like that out of the face of a mountain then i care about having a, a planet that's that I'm able to live in. And essentially what human beings are, are doing is, is meeting their own demise. Uh, and so therefore we're not going to, we're not going to destroy the planet before we destroy people. We'll have evidence that people existed, but 10,000 years after we're dead, nobody will ever know that we were here. Dylan. 
Yeah, and 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 we're also we're also taking care of of things that don't need to be tended to, like ornamental lawns and trees, and and just out of the convention of taking care of a lawn to make sure that it's green, to take care of a tree, an oak. Yeah, and oak trees are beautiful. There's lots of elm trees. They're beautiful trees. I mean, I love trees. They're like my favorite thing. But if they're not a fruit tree and they're not they're not providing you food, then does that does that tree have really have a purpose with on your lawn? Yeah, it's a beautiful tree. You love it, but is it doing anything? And and and, and that's kind of what we miss. We miss how much we're kind of doing to like undermine ourselves. Doug? You know, another thing is, you know, on that very same topic, the people mow their lawns obsessively in the summer. I don't know if they do it in France the same way, but in the United States, at any given hour of any given day, as long as the sun's out, you've got like 10,000 people outside mowing their lawn with a with a two-cycle gas engine. It's It's kind of silly when you think about why do people feel the need to mow their lawn, you know, and or rake their leaves. You know, the leaves are actually what builds the soil. The dead grass is what actually builds the soil. So why do you mow your lawn and then rake it all up? You're basically depleting your soil by by insisting that it grow without providing any sort of re- resources or nutrients into the soil. And yet that's what people think that they need to do to maintain a, a good-looking lawn, I guess, rather than a healthy lawn. And that is, again, going back to missing standards. My last school, my last principal, didn't like the fact that the kids tore up the grassy area outside one of the buildings. She didn't like it. And and the solution that we all decided on for one year was to try to teach the kids not to go on the lawn. But that didn't work. So So the principal decided because she wanted it to look nice to put down fake grass. So she put down this like plastic looking grass thing. And when you put down the plastic looking grass thing, well, what happens is, as Doc just shared, is you don't get the nutrients because what happens is, well, the, the bird in the tree shits shits on the on on the ground. The ground the shit goes into the soil. The so- soil stays healthy. The grass grows, and everyone's happy. But when you take out like half of half of the cycle, well, eventually what you have is you have a sick tree. And it turned out last year the tree the tree died and fell down. Why? Because well, there wasn't it didn't have enough nutrients in the soil around it to survive. That is missing standards. That is where we are as a people. We are thinking that we need to look a certain way without kind of worrying about what that what that means. The ornamental lawns, golf courses, fancy cars, all these things. They're, they're, they're kind of a waste. And when we come back, we'll continue talking about missing standards here in Season 2, Dialogue 13, Missing Standards. Hi, this is Doc, and you're listening to Marine and the Hippie. Welcome back to Season 2, Dialogue 13 of the Marine and the Hippie. I am the Hippie. We are talking about missing standards today. The first part of our, our podcast today was talking about something using earth as the as the metaphor now let's just talk about well we're going to jump ship and jump to politics today big news roe versus wade huge issue and the issue is not roe versus wade the issue is the same issue as the tree 
anyone who had who has any any no, basic knowledge of biology knows that if you don't keep the roots of a tree healthy the tree doesn't stay healthy it dies just like anyone with any common sense on politics knows that if you don't take action well it doesn't work the idea that you know we just lost roe um roe versus wade the protection that the supreme court offered in 1973 to the practice of abortion to allow women to get an abortion legally in the united states up to the point of viability the idea that we just lost it here with this draft really this release of this draft ruling by alito and company on this on the supreme court 5-4 decision to apparently overturn roe versus wade everybody is now out there wringing their hands and their fists and gnashing their teeth and there are some people saying you see i told you so back in 2016 when you wanted bernie sanders and you wouldn't vote for hillary i told you this was going to happen blah 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 so they're willing to extend the shadow of history back to 2016 six years ago just so they can relitigate the 2016 election and, and remind us all about how we selfish people robbed not only hillary of her victory that was almost guaranteed but also them of their reproductive rights like because we didn't vote for hillary the idea that that all of this started in 2016 is ridiculous. The Democratic Party had 50 years at any point during that 50 years to codify the protections in Roe versus Wade in the in the national government. They had 50 years to do this. That, that, and if you don't know what the word codify means, look it up. It literally means put it into code. You know, make it make it the law of the, of the country. They could have made it the law of the country. They didn't for 50 years. They didn't do anything to protect women's rights. Yeah, sure, they went on TV and they talked about women's rights. Sure, they, you know, said that this is very important to them, blah, blah. Sure, they campaigned around it and raised lots of money around it. But at the end of the day, they didn't actually do anything substantial to protect women's rights. And they had 50 years. They knew that it was happening because the people who were opposed to Roe versus Wade have been working for 50 years out in the open to basically undermine and reverse this decision. It's been 50 years. Everybody has seen it happen. Everybody knows it's happening. So the opponents of the the bill get 50 years, the opponents of the decision get 50 years head start on the Democrats. And the Democrats are now just finally realizing, oh, we should have done something, you know, a couple years ago to codify this. At the same time as they're doing that, they are essentially putting an astroturf around the tree, uh, in Dylan's analogy, and saying that we need to continue to vote blue no matter who so that we can get the Roe versus Wade protections back. That's ridiculous because they're not doing anything to nurture the soil. They're not doing anything to, to give us a reason to vote for Democrats. They're just basically saying, well, now that we're in the crisis, now it's time to act. You know, at this time, the tree's already coming down. The tree's already falling, in Dylan's analogy. The tree's already dead. You've already destroyed the roots. You know, it's too late. I mean, it, now's not the time to start protecting Roe versus Wade. That was 50 years ago. Now what we need to do is we need to figure out how to build a movement to replant a new tree to get these rights back for people. And it certainly doesn't involve voting for the Democratic Party. Yeah, it, go it goes back to the first analogy, you know, the save the planet. Save the planet is like, oh, yeah, it's like this kitschy thing. Nope, save people, save humans. What do we need to do to save them? As Doc said, we need to have clean, clean air, clean water, shelter, and food. If we don't have those things, we die, period, done. That's it. And that it doesn't matter if you're a billionaire or the poorest of poor. That's a fact, Jack. And that that's where we're at. We're at the, we're in this society in which we're not we're not communicating about real topics, and we're not willing to discuss them. We're not sitting around the table discussing, hey, 
why why doesn't the Democratic Party have like these strong policies that they're that they're saying that they're going to implement the moment that they're in office? Or if they're saying it, why the why the heck aren't they doing it? You know, my issue, Doc's issue, we have one that that we vehemently agree on: socialized medicine. Bill Clinton, Obama. That was both their promises. Again, done nothing except except allow the cost of medicine, the cost of service, the cost of insurance to skyrocket, while wages <laughs> stayed the same and everything else went up too. So we're losing. And we're losing because there is, there are people who who support this idea that well 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 I know that I'm against that person and I'm this thing and I'm unwilling to change because I like I like the fact that there's there's this tree here but I don't want I don't want to have to teach the kids I don't want to have to teach the kids not to run on on the on on on, on this grassy area when it's wet I I want to I, I don't want to do that that would that would be too much work so instead what I'm gonna do is I'm going to kill the tree. Why the fuck do I want to vote for that? We come back, we'll kind of clo- wrap up with Season 2, Dialogue 13, Missing Standard. You're listening to The Marine and the Hippie. I'm Dylan, I'm the Hippie, from Turkey, and let me just tell you, Kolai Gelsen, may it be easy. Peace. Hello, everybody. You're listening to Marina and the Hippie, Season 2, Dialogue Number 13, Missing Standards. And today we're talking about not only the failure of the environmentalist movement and their messaging, but also basically the failure of the entire Democratic Party and the, and the, and the liberal movement of this country to actually accomplish anything. Dylan had mentioned the Affordable Care Act. Dylan had mentioned uh, health care reform under Bill Clinton. And the question he asked was, why haven't the Democrats done anything about this? And there is a group within the Democratic Party, you could argue, that is that really wants to keep things the same way. I, I think that there really is a status quo orientation to a, at least a significant portion of the Democratic Party. I'm not going to say the entire Democratic Party, but, but a large portion of it. And then there's a bunch of people in the Democratic Party that would want to do something, but we don't want to be like the Republicans. Now, the Republicans can attack an issue like Roe versus Wade with the tenacity of a 50-year campaign, which is what they did. 50 years, that's what it's been about. People vote on Roe versus Wade for 50 years. They've got message, message discipline. No, we're opposed to it. We want to end it right now. They don't, you know, make, you know, negotiations with themselves in the press. They just say, look, we're against Roe versus Wade. There are groups of Democrats that say, you know, we should do something about this, but we don't want to do like what the Republicans do. We don't want to be like them. We want to convince people. We want to persuade people. We want to to, to try to get people to, c- to come to our side voluntarily rather than doing the actual political work necessary to beat this shit over the head until they get what they want. You know, the Democrats could make their party a single issue party. They could do that. They could say, look, we're going to keep fighting for this and this is all we're going to do. When we have the majority, that's all we're going to do. And we're going to keep passing bill after bill after bill after bill until we finally get something through that we want. And we don't care if it goes up against, you know, it goes up to the court or if people sue us. We don't care because the Republicans sure don't. The Republicans pass bill after bill after bill in the state of South Dakota. Each one of them gets sent to the Supreme Court each time the bill gets knocked down until they finally got themselves the majority that actually will agree with them. Now, guess what? All those bills come back in in South Dakota. The Democrats could do that. But they don't want to. They say, we're going to fight the good fight. Oh, and also, by the way, if we lose, then we'll let the voters in the fall decide. So they're basically willing to fight the good fight up until the point where it looks like they're going to lose. And then they got to move on to something else. You know, oh, you know, we're going to fight tooth and nail 
for this human infrastructure bill. And then when Manchin says no, they're like, okay, time to move on to something else. Oh, voting rights is the, is the big thing this week. We're going to fight for that tooth and nail voting rights until Manchin says no. Oh, then we got to figure something else out. When Doc says fight, don't imagine like Mike Tyson in his prime. Imagine two like 90-year-old guys <laughs> with like feather dusters or something. Like it's, it's like it's like a blow over fight. Because as, as Doc was, was talking, they say, yeah, there's a bunch of Democrats who are like, who, 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 who don't really want to go up against the Republican Party. Yeah, because they, they're fat cats. They're sitting happy. It's like, we're taught to believe that Coke and Pepsi are, are, are against each other. They're co-conspirators to sell us soda. The only thing that, that Coke and Pepsi care about is that everybody out there wants to drink soda, period. They don't care about which soda you drink. They know that they're going to do their work, they're going to make their money, and they're probably invested in each other's company because it's the same thing with the, the Democrat and the, and the Republican Party. They're invested heavily in each other. So when somebody comes up with the idea of revolutionary change, stop drinking soda, start drinking water, that becomes a problem. Then, and, or stop drinking soda, start drinking coffee. Then we have an actual beverage revolution, which we've lived through. Most of us, because we now we have Starbucks. We don't think about just going to get a Coke at 7-Eleven. We think about going to get a coffee at Starbucks. That's a revolution. That was huge. That's huge change, kind of. Now, now with the, the, the Democrats, as Doc said, you know, they could, they could say, Hey, we're going to create change. We're going to give socialized medicine. We're going to do universal basic income. These are our policies. But instead, they, they just, they, and then they like they run away, and then come voting time, they say, "Oh, you have to back us, though, because if you don't back us, you're going to allow them to win." Yeah, you allowed yourself to lose. Period. Yeah, this is one thing, and maybe we can end on this. Um, I had noticed that in 2000, when I was alive for 2000, you know, I'm old enough to remember 2000 election, <laughs> unlike many of some of our audience anyway. Um, people always say that that Ralph Nader spoiled the campaign for. <laughs> Al Gore in Florida. Sorry, Dylan probably didn't like that. that was funny. Ralph Nader spoiled the campaign for, for Al Gore in Florida. When in fact the Socialist Party's candidate, the Socialist Party USA candidate, got 10,000 votes in that state and the margin was obviously less than 10,000. So the Socialist Party USA's candidate spoiled it. But as a matter of fact, if Al Gore had just won his own home state of Tennessee, we wouldn't have ever had the W presidency. Florida would have been a non-issue. The same way with Hillary Clinton. Had Hillary Clinton bothered to show up in, in Michigan instead of just thinking that it was a lock for Democrats? Had Hillary Clinton bothered to show up in, in uh, Wisconsin instead of thinking Wisconsin was part of a blue wall? Had Hillary Clinton bothered to show up in half the country where she didn't even go to try to make a play for some of those votes? We wouldn't have ever had a Donald Trump presidency. It's not Jill Stein's fault that, that Hillary Clinton lost. It's Hillary Clinton's fault. It's not the fact that Hillary Clinton's partisans and voters didn't put enough work in. The fact is that Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate. If the Democrats had just run a better candidate, they would have won in 2016, period. If the Democrats had went, run better candidates in 2020, we wouldn't even have a close split in the Senate. But the fact is the Democrats run this bullshit, these bullshit candidates that don't ever fucking offer anything real for people. And they expect people to just go along with it because the other side's worse. Well, people are, well, people are done with to that. To be though. fair, they, they offer 
they offer, but they don't close the deal. No, they don't. They don't even offer good candidates. Like I don't. I can't. Sorry, I, can't. I meant. I meant policies. I oh, didn't mean candidates. Yeah, I'm talking about candidates. I'm talking about people that run for these offices. They offer terrible candidates, and the candidates that are elected are the both are are the people that don't follow through. They make all kinds of promises to people, and yet they don't follow through because they're too busy worried about their next fucking election. And so, the, you know, my advice for the Democratic Party is get off of your. I don't want to play the same game Republicans play because Republicans play dirty. That's politics. That's what politics are. You got to be cynical. You got to be calculating. And by the way, you also have to turn out and you have to show show up for the people who voted for you. You have to actually do something for people. And if you're unwilling to do something for people because you're too worried about what constituencies you're going to offend, then you don't have any business being in office. And that's for the Democrats. If you're not willing to launch in two thousand in, in 1973, you're not willing to launch a Roe versus Wade protective society or whatever the case may be, whatever you need to do to combat exactly dollar for dollar, minute for minute, the messaging coming off the religious right who is vociferously opposed to this. If you're not willing to do that, then you don't have any business being in office. And there's no reason that anybody should vote for the Democrats if they're not willing to do that. And thus far, 2022, we're, in, we're getting into summer in 2022. So far, the Democrats haven't been willing to do that. And so maybe they need to lose. You know, maybe they need to lose. And so people can actually see what a horrible America would look like without a party that's defending anybody. Dylan. And that's that's that. And that is why you may vote blue no matter who. But I will not. At the end, at the end of the day, you're either you're either willing to make revolutionary change at a time where revolutionary change is needed or you're not. And what I see is a GOP who's meeting the needs of its constituents, of whom I am not. The other big party is is not meeting the needs of, of its constituents, or at least a large portion of its constituents, because it's, well, it's just not, it's not protecting the people enough. So, save the humans! Learn some standards, because you missed some in middle school. Peace out from the Marine and the Hippie in Season 2, Dialogue 13, Missing Standards. I'm the Hippie saying, au revoir! I am the Marine saying hoorah. Hoorah! Hey, this is Doc. And this is Dylan. And you're listening to Marine and the Hippie. For more information on the Marine, follow Doc at supernova underscore earth on Twitter and listen to the Supernova Earth Show on Spotify. For more information on The Hippie, follow Dylan at Gezi and Me on Twitter and read his blog at observationsfromthespectrum.org.